0: Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric finishes his sermon series about Jesus' temptation in Matthew 4. Jesus faces the final temptation from Satan, and he triumphs victoriously. Satan's temptations were vicious, but Jesus resisted powerfully. Jesus showed us that worship and service are linked together. He worshiped and served God Almighty, gaining his strength from the Father. What do you worship? What do you turn to? What is better than God? And now, here's Pastor Eric.
1: It's all about the kingdom. Which kingdom you serve? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. So which kingdom will the Son of God seek? Which kingdom will we seek? Which kingdom will we serve? His kingdom? Her kingdom? Their kingdom? Our kingdom? Or God's kingdom? It's always what it's about. I'll serve His kingdom because... He's telling me how to live, my friend or my coach or her kingdom because she tells me what's popular and pretty or online. I'll serve their kingdom. I can serve the kingdoms of this world. I can serve my kingdom. I can be on the throne. Or will we serve God's kingdom? This is the scene from the mountaintop. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Which kingdom will the Son of God go for? This is the scene... But the tactics are shown in verse 9 and also in verse 10. Look at verse 9. And the devil said to him, the adversary, we all have one. We're all in a spiritual battle. He said to him, all these I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. If you fall down and worship me, then I'll give you these kingdoms. I'll give you. We might ask, is that a legitimate offer? Can Satan... Give the kingdoms to the Son? Well, we know there is a capital R ruler. He's sovereign. He is God Almighty. He is the Father. But he's allowed Satan to be on a leash. And the leash has a length, but there is a little R ruler of this world. Is this a legitimate offer? John thinks so. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. In the Gospel of John, don't turn there, but listen. John chapter 14 30, you can write it down, John fourteen thirty. John records the words of Jesus when Jesus said these words. I'll no longer talk much with you for the ruler, little r, the ruler of this world is coming and he has no claim on me. Jesus would admit that there is a little R ruler of this world, and John points that out. But also in his epistle when he was older, 1 John chapter 5, 1 John 5.19. 1 John 5.19, he says similar words. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So it appears that this is a legitimate offer. The father, the big R ruler of this world has said I'll allow the kingdoms of this world because of the fall to be under the control of the evil one for a short time. But even then he still is under the sovereignty of God. I'll give you these if you'll fall down and worship me. Isn't that the same way that the enemy attacks you and me today in our minds in the battle of the mind? If you'll do this it'll bring you happiness. It'll bring you satisfaction, it'll bring you comfort, it'll bring you power, it'll bring you pleasure, it'll satisfy your lust. I'll give you this if you worship something other than Jesus. If you'll just bow to this and you'll serve this, then I'll, I'll give you happiness. That's a lie. That's an empty promise. I don't know if Satan really could give this. Either way, it's a lie. If you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you these kingdoms. Still twists us that way. I'll, I'll give you blank. If you'll just worship something other than God, other than Christ Jesus. Those are the tactics. We'll come back to them, but look at the defense. Jesus here, if he was blocking before, he certainly delivers a jab, a knockout uppercut here. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. Key words. That's the triumph, the victory. Be gone, away from me. Get behind me, Satan. For it is written again, the the power of the Word of God, Deuteronomy. If Israel failed in the wilderness, here Christ succeeds in the wilderness. If Adam failed in the perfect garden, here Jesus is perfect in the fallen, the barren, where wild animals are, the Gospel of Mark says. There's this contrast, but he quotes Deuteronomy. You shall worship the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6.13. You shall worship The Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. Worship and serve. Worship and service are linked together. You can't divorce the two. Whatever you serve is what you worship. To worship is to serve. So the question is, who do you serve? Who are you attempting to serve? What do you serve? You worship and you serve God Almighty. So what Jesus begins to show us is that this is very much about right worship or wrong worship. Will we rightly worship or will we wrongly worship? You may be rightly worshiping today, you may be wrongly worshiping. There are many that are worshiping, they just don't know that they're worshiping something else. Whatever we ascribe worth to, we're worshiping, right? Worship. It's where we get worship, worship, whatever we ascribe worth and value to. A lot of people are doing that today, and we will do it. What is worship? Right worship is the believer's response of all that we are mind, body, Will, emotions, to all that God is. You sang that in Waymaker, to all that God says, even when you don't see it or feel it, and all that God does. The believer's response of all that we are to all that God is and says and does. Worship, this is what he says, it's written. I'm not going to bow to that. I'm not going to bow to you. I don't want the kingdoms that way. I'm not going to serve those kingdoms. I'm not going to serve my own way. Be gone, Satan. Bam, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve to worship is to serve he says him only Satan goes for what he really wants he wants worship what did he want in his fall in Isaiah 14 what did he want in Ezekiel 28 when he was in heaven he wanted worship he wanted the worship that God alone was due and so Isaiah 14 says he failed it was that pride that, i want the worship and here he's he's staggering because he's been hit and he's i, I just got to go for this worship me, that's what I'm after and that's what he's always after he wants us to worship wrongly he wants us to give ultimate worth and value to something or someone other than Christ so worshiping the wrong thing is sin whenever we worship the wrong thing it's sin this would have been a sin for Jesus to bow it would have been a sin and that would have been idolatry Martin Lloyd Jones says this about idolatry. An idol is anything in our lives that occupies the place that should be occupied by God alone. Anything that holds my life and my devotion. Anything that's central in my life. Anything that seems to be vital. Anything that is essential to me. An idol is anything by which I live and on which I depend. Anything that moves and rouses and attracts and stimulates me is an idol. An idol is anything that I worship anything to which I give much of my time and attention, my energy and my money, anything that holds a controlling position in my life is an idol. Martin Lloyd-Jones, that great preacher in England, medical doctor that, that knew all about the mind and the brain and the science of the body, but knew the power of the Word of God. He knows when he says this about idols that we all serve idols of the heart. They're not of stone and wood and they don't look like we think they do. Pastor Tim Keller says this, an idol is anything more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life, or identity. And that's what Satan first went after. If you are the Son of God, if that's your identity, if that's your meaning, if, you, if that is your title, then, then do this. Then do this. Well, that's not, that's not working. So I, I want you to just bow and worship me. I'll give you your kingdoms and the kingdoms but it would have been idolatry. It would have been wrong worship. Again, go back to the tactics. Look at verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him. Behold, Check this out. Angels came. That's what it means. Angels came and were ministering, serving him. The tactics are really is this. Look at what you can have. Look at what you can have. It glitters. Look at what you can have. So we said, all temptation, all sin comes in, basically falls into three categories. 1 John 2.16. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. 1 John 2.16. Write it down. But you also see them in Genesis 3:6. And you also see them in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4 in the temptation in the wilderness. The stones to bread, that's lust of the flesh. Jump, he'll give his angels concerning, you know, to catch you and uh, charge over you and that's the pride of life. But here, we see the third one from 1 John 2:16, it's lust of the eyes. The Bible says it showed him all the kingdoms, their splendor, that's the lust of the eyes. In Genesis 3, 6, the Bible says it was pleasing to the eye. When they saw that that tree was pleasing to the eye, they went for it. Look at what you can have. Oh, our eyes see so much these days, don't they? We're a a, a visual culture, a visual society. It's everywhere and constantly the temptation is, look at what you can have, look at what you can have, look at what you can have, see this. I think our eyes see more than any other generation. And so do you know what we do a lot of? And I do a lot of. We just don't call it this. We covet. We have lust of that. I covet that. And really we covet comfort. Everything's designed. To, ooh, that meal will comfort me. That car will comfort me. That house will comfort me. That relationship will comfort me. That look, that, that show, I don't know, whatever it is. That hobby, this, this, that. Oh, that's, I covet that comfort that it would give. It's pleasing to my eye. It, it's, it's, it glitters. Go for it. It's not that bad. It's the, it's the kingdom that you're after you just don't know it but you'll be worshipping it so this temptation tactics are lust of the eyes but it's also this temptation that appeals to the preservation of self you can preserve yourself jesus you don't have to go to the cross you can preserve yourself i'll give you these kingdoms if you'll just worship me it's the preservation of self or the glorification of self don't bow angels will catch you. You, know, you. you can have the bread. You, you can have this. You can preserve yourself. You don't have to t- be tested and tried anymore. And, and you can have things your way. And basically the temptation that Jesus would have felt is this. I can have the kingdom without the cross. The ruler of this world is going to give me the kingdoms without the cross. No suffering. No, no whipping. No scourging. No disciples leaving me. No agony. I get the kingdoms immediately. That's compromise. That's the tactic that the enemy still uses today. You can compromise. You don't have to wait. You can have exactly what you want today. There's so much out there for you and me. What are we doing in this church building? Let's go. Let's go have all the sin that we want. We can take the shortcuts and then right on our guest back. Oh, help me Jesus like like we. It's compromise. It's it's just taking a shortcut. It's the kingdom without the cross. It's the lust of the eyes. It's it's about Self-exaltation. It would have been a sin, I believe, if Jesus had bowed. You, you believe that too. It would have been idolatry to bow to the devil. Yet, I think we probably do it more than we realize. We give the enemy a seat at our table in our minds and we, we bow to him. But it would have been a sin against the plan of God. That the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world would say, I'll take the shortcut, I'll take the easy way and I'll get the kingdoms now instead of when the Father gives me that timing? So the temptation tactic is this, and this is the temptation choice, self-exaltation or self-denial. It's really what a lot of them were. Will you exalt self and act independently, or will you deny self? Self-exaltation or self-denial? Our culture is not going to teach self-denial. It goes countercultural. Self-exaltation, yes, now, instant gratification, kingdom without the cross. You know what? There's a danger in focusing too much on protecting yourself, especially today. Right? If Jesus had a thought, protect myself, then um, give me the kingdoms. No no cross. But the call is not to protect ourselves, the call is to deny self and to trust the Father and to depend upon the Father. The question here in this match is this, would Jesus avoid persecution? Would He avoid persecution by bowing? Did He? No. Would we? Maybe. Will we? That's the next step. Will we avoid the hard, the suffering, the the call that God has on our life? Will we protect self? Will we self-exalt? Will we self-preserve and glorify? Or will we say no to the temptations? No, no, it's, it's glitter. It's not, it's not. Be gone. Away from me, Satan. Flee. I want you to see in these tactics that blow. There is in verse 10 and 11 that blow. And Jesus again jabs with the Scripture, the Word of God, the, the verses. We should memorize that. But the power of, of be gone, Satan. That's the knockout blow. It is delivered. Be gone, Satan. For a lot of us, we need to stop negotiating with the devil. There comes a time when you say, Enough! Stop! Uh-uh, no more stop negotiating with the devil be, he's, he's done Jesus is done it's triumph time be gone Satan stop negotiating with the devil and depend upon Jesus he was dependent upon the father for me I need to do that stop negotiating with the devil and start depending on the father for everything it's trust it's, it's rest it's the Lord's way the Lord's timing Jesus was perfect oh, aren't you thankful for that Perfect in the wilderness. He proved he was the better Israel. He was the better Adam. He is the Messiah, authentic. And so he can come back to it and he can begin his ministry. Baptism, temptation, and then boom, Luke chapter 4, he just begins to call disciples. He begins to preach the kingdom of God. Jesus is perfect. He's perfect. He perfectly trusted. Where I don't and you don't. We give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But he was perfect. He perfectly obeyed. And he can perfectly save. Therefore he can perfectly save. He is mighty to save. And guess what? Satan is defeated. He is. He's defeated. He loses the war. He has these little battles that he's still victorious in because he's the little R ruler of this world and he is the evil one. But Satan stands defeated. And so we focus on the triumph in the wilderness. Be gone. Verse 11. The devil left him. Behold, angels came and were serving him. We don't quite know what that looked like. How did they uphold him? What did they they bring as God had provided for others in the wilderness? Perhaps they're delivering God's graces there in the wilderness. The focus is that Jesus is triumphant. He is victorious. Look at Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Write this down, buddy. I think you'll be able to put it on the screen there. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says this. We're calling Matthew 4. For we, as God's people, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted. Every respect, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Our our sins fall into those three, and Jesus in those three, and sadly Adam and Eve in those three. He's been tempted in every respect as we've been tempted. And here's the key words. Yet without sin. Amen. Yet without sin. Victory in Jesus. Victorious. Bam. Be gone. Satan. He is without sin. He's perfect. You, you can't have the cross. You can't have the blood of Jesus. You can't have the Easter resurrection. If Jesus sins here, it's, it, it's only by sinless blood. And right here, before he even begins to call disciples, he proves it. Perfect. Sinless Lamb of God was he. For us, so, therefore, verse 16, then let us, now let us, then with confidence and boldness, he, he understands he's perfect and we have a perfect Savior. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. I need that. You need that. And it's there so that we may receive mercy and we may find a grace to help in a time of need. Oh, aren't you thankful he understands? Jesus understands, he sympathizes. With us. Because he was tempted. He's able to save. Because he endured. We look to him. He cares. He's going to save. Even in Hebrews 2.18. We read these words. For because he himself has suffered when tempted. Or when tested. He is able to help those who are being tested and tempted. He's triumphant for us. So that we can have the help. So that we can have the victory. So we don't have to stay there. So we don't have to live defeated. We can take the way of escape. That's awesome. As John would go on to write in 1 John, in 1 John 3:8, he would say these words about the devil. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. He was tempting in those same three categories from the beginning. The devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared. You ready? The reason the Son of God appeared, John says, was to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3.8 He appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And what He was doing in Matthew chapter 4 and what He would do through the, the cross and the resurrection, He was destroying the works of the devil. not pow, be gone. knockout blow delivered for all eternity. So the devil leaves Him. Luke's gospel says that the devil leaves Him and looks for a more opportune time to come. But Jesus is triumphant. He is victorious. And so now, we sing that. There's triumph in the wilderness. We sing the name of triumph. Do you know that song? The triumphant name of Jesus song from Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Talking about Savior Jesus and being found in human form. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God's highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that's above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The angels, the demons, Satan himself, every person here and every tongue, verse 11 says, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We sing the victorious name of triumph, Jesus. So we apply the temptation to our lives. He was without sin. He did this for us. If we're united with Christ, if we have been buried with Him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life, then then there is victory for us based on His victory. The question is, will you triumph with Jesus? If you're a Christian, you will. We'll lose some temptation struggles, but now it's our choice and we sin, but there's forgiveness, but... Ultimately, we will be triumphant because we're identified with Jesus. If you're saved, if you're in Christ, you will be triumphant with Jesus. His victory will be your victory in that day when He appears and all the kingdoms will be His. The question is, are you identified with Him in salvation? But wow, what a series. What a message from Matthew chapter 4. The words that I keep hearing Lord, kind of say to me, not audibly, you know, just the application that I really feel is, is this. you know, If you are identified with Christ, then, then, then that's yours. You just believe it and trust it and know it and feel that. But for those of us who are Christians, what's the application? And I think for, for me, in all these three areas, it's all about this. It's all about dependence. It keeps coming back to that, that Jesus was dependent. It's all about dependence. Will I depend on God? When I, when I take the temptation and I say no, and I, I choose to sin, and it's the, it's the pride that says, I can do this and get away with it, and I can follow these lusts, and I can follow these desires. When I'm doing that, I'm acting independently. I'm not dependent on God. I'm not dependent on the Word. I'm not quoting the Word. I'm, I'm giving in. It's all about Jesus' dependence. No, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. No, it's written. Don't test the Lord your God. No, it's written. You worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. It's it's dependence and it's reliance. Jesus time and time again relies on the Father. His way, His character, His timing, His plan. That's what we need. But we live in that culture where it's all about independence and it's all about depend on this and that and this and this and rely upon everything. Just what about relying upon God? He was doing that those 40 days. Relying upon the, the Lord for strength. So we might say it this way. We are to resist and rely. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. James says it and so does Peter. Resist the devil. We have to resist. And we have to resist his jabs and his blows and it's tough. Resist the devil. Be gone, Satan. Learn the Word of God so that we can quote it back. We resist, but then we rely. We rely upon the Word. We rely upon God, His character. We rely upon, no, I'm not going to look for my identity there or try to, to doubt security in my identity. I'm going to rely on the Father and who I am, and that He is the way maker and He makes the way. Maybe we could say it this way if we didn't want resist and rely, we could say defend and depend. Constantly He defends the devil. He defends with the word of God. He defends the offer. No, 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 it's written, it's written. No, be gone. And then He depends. He depends on the Lord God Almighty. You worship Him. Him only. Him only. Shall you, sir? Amazing passage for us. He did this. And He cares. And He's mighty to save. And so, as Jesus would say to Paul, preach the gospel. That their eyes would be opened. That they would turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified, who, who are set apart. This is mine, by faith in me. Acts 26.18 So that's the gospel we invite you to today to, to see the Savior, to repent and to receive forgiveness, to apply the victory, the triumph in the wilderness to your life and to go and live. He has overcome so that we can overcome. And we will overcome. We're overcomers. Christ is triumphant.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.